0: Chapter 9, Part 1 of How to Write Short Stories with Examples by Ring Lardner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ben Prince, San Francisco, California. Chapter 9, Harmony, Part 1. Even a baseball writer must sometimes work. Regretfully, I yielded my seat in the PG, walked past the section where Art Graham, Bill Cole, Lefty Parks, and Young Waldron were giving expert tonsorial treatment to Sweet Adeline and flopped down beside Ryan, the manager. "'Well, Cap,' I said, "'we're due in Springfield in a little over an hour, and I haven't written a line.' "'Don't let me stop you,' said Ryan. "'Well, I want you to start me,' I said. "'Lord,' said Ryan, "'you oughtn't to have any trouble grinding out stuff these days "'with the club in first place and Young Waldron gone crazy?' He's worth a story any day. That's the trouble, said I. He's been worked so much that there's nothing more to say about him. Everybody in the country knows that he's hidden 420, that he's made nine home runs, 12 triples and 20-some doubles, that he's stolen 25 bases, and that he can play the piano and sing like Caruse. They've run his picture oftener than Billy Sunday and Mary Pickford put together. Of course, you might come through with how you got him. Oh, that's the mystery, said Ryan. "'So I've heard you say,' I retorted. "'But it wouldn't be a mystery if you'd let me print it.' "'Well,' said Ryan, "'if you're really hard up, I suppose I might as well come through. "'Only there's really no mystery at all about it. "'It's just what I consider the most remarkable piece of scouting ever done. "'I've been making a mystery of it just to have a little fun with Dick Hodges. "'You know, he's got the Jackson Club, "'and he's still so sore about my stealing Walter, "'and he'll hardly speak to me. "'I'll give you the dope if you want it, "'though it's a boost for Art Graham, not me.' There's lots of people think the reason I've kept the thing a secret is because I'm modest. They give me credit for having found Waldron myself. But Graham is the bird that deserves the credit, and I'll admit that he almost had to get down on his knees to make me take his tip. Yes, sir, Art Graham was the scout, and now he's sitting on the bench, and the boy he recommended has got his place. Well, that sounds pretty good, I said. And how did Graham get wise? I'm going to tell you. You're in a hurry, so I'll make it snappy. You weren't with us last fall, were you? Well, we had a day off in Detroit, along late in the season. Graham's got relatives in Jackson, so he asked me if he could spend the day there. I told him he could and asked him to keep his eyes peeled for good young pitchers if he happened to go to the ball game. So he went to Jackson, and the next morning he came back all excited. I asked him if he'd found me a pitcher, and he said he hadn't, but he'd seen the best natural hitter he'd ever looked at, a kid named Waldron. "'Well,' I said, "'you're the last one that ought to be recommending outfielders. "'If there's one good enough to hold a regular job, it might be your job he'd get.' "'But Art said that that didn't make any difference to him. "'He was looking out for the good of the club. "'Well, I didn't see my way clear to asking the old man to dig up good money for an outfielder nobody would ever heard of "'when we were pretty well stocked with him. "'So I tried to stall Art, but he kept after me and kept after me "'till I agreed to stick in a draft for the kid just to keep Art quiet. "'So the draft went in and we got him.' Then, as you know, Hodges tried to get him back, and that made me suspicious enough to hold on to him. Hodges finally came over to see me and wanted to know who'd tipped me to Waldron. That's where the mystery stuff started, because I saw that Hodges was all heated up and wanted to kid him along. So I told him we had some mighty good scouts working for us, and he said he knew our regular scouts, and they couldn't tell a ball player from a torn ligament. Then he offered me fifty bucks if I'd tell him the truth, and I just laughed at him. I said, "'A fella happened to be in Jackson one day and saw him work.' but I won't tell you who the fellow was because you're too anxious to know. Then he insisted on knowing what day the scout had been in Jackson. I said I'd tell him that if he'd tell me why he was so blame-curious, so he gave me his end of it. It seems his brother, up in Ludington, had seen this kid play ball in the lots and had signed him right up for Hodges and taken him to Jackson, and of course Hodges knew he had a world-beater the minute he saw him, but he also knew he wasn't going to be able to keep him in Jackson— and naturally, he began to figure out how he could get the most money for him. It was already August when the boy landed in Jackson, so there wasn't much chance of getting a big price last season. He decided to teach the kid what he didn't know about baseball and to keep him undercover till this year. Then, everybody would be touting him, and there'd be plenty of competition. Hodges could sell to the highest bidder. He had Waldron out practicing every day, but wouldn't let him play in a game, and every player on the Jackson club had promised to keep the secret till this year. So Hodges wanted to find out from me which one of his players had broken the promise. Then I asked him if he was perfectly sure that Waldron hadn't played in a game, and he said he had gone in to hit for somebody just once. I asked him what date that was, and he told me. It was the day Art had been in Jackson. So I said, There's your mystery solved. That's the day my scout saw him, and you'll have to give the scout a little credit for picking a star after seeing him make one base hit. Then Hodges said, That makes it all the more a mystery, because in the first place he batted under a fake name, and in the second place he didn't make a base hit. He popped out. That's about all there is to it. You can ask Art how he picked the kid out for a star from seeing him pop out once. I've asked him myself, and he's told me that he liked the way Waldron swung. Personally, I believe one of those Jackson boys got too Gabby, but Art swears not. "'That is a story,' I said gratefully." "'An old outfielder who must know he's slipping "'recommends a busher after seeing him pop out once, "'and the busher jumps right in and gets his job. "'I looked down the aisle toward the songbirds. "'Art Graham, now a benchwarmer, and young Waldron, "'whom he had touted and who was the cause "'of his being sent to the bench, "'were harmonizing at the tops of their strong "'and not-too-pleasant voices. "'And probably the strangest part of the story,' I added, "'is that Art doesn't seem to regret it. "'He and the kid appear to be the best of friends.' "Anybody who can sing is art's friend," said Ryan. I left him and went back to my seat to tear off my seven hundred words before we reached Springfield. I considered for a moment the advisability of asking Graham for an explanation of his wonderful bit of scouting, but decided to save that part of it for another day. I was in a hurry, and, besides, Waldron was just teaching them a new wallop, and it would have been folly for me to interrupt. "It's on the word you," Waldron was saying. "'I come down a tone, Lefty goes up half tone, and Bill comes up two tones. "'Art just sings it like always. "'Now try her again,' I heard him direct the songbirds. "'They tried her again, making a worse noise than ever. "'I only know I love you. "'Love me and the world, the world is mine, the world is mine.' "'No,' said Waldron. "'Lefty missed it. "'If you fellas new music, I could teach it to you with the piano when we get to Boston. "'On the word love, in the next to the last line, we hit a regular F chord.' Bill's singing the low F in the bass, and Lefty's hitting middle C in the baritone, and Art's on high F, and I'm up to A. Then, on the word U, I come down to G, and Art hits E, and Lefty goes up half a tone to C sharp, and Cole comes up from F to A in the bass. That makes a good wallop. It's the change from the F chord to the A chord. Now, let's try her again, Waldron urged. They tried her again. "'I only know I love you.' "'No, no,' said young Waldron. "'Art and I were all right, but Bill came up too far, "'and Lefty never moved off that sea. "'Half a tone up, Lefty. Now try her again.' "'We were an hour late into Springfield, "'and it was past six o'clock when we pulled out. "'I had filed my stuff, and when I came back in the car, "'the concert was over for the time, "'and Art Graham was sitting alone. "'Where are your pals?' I asked. "'Gone to the diner,' he replied. "'Aren't you going to eat?' "'No,' he said. "'I'm saving up for the steamed clams.' "'I took the seat beside him. "'I sent in a story about you,' I said. "'Am I fired?' he asked. "'No, nothing like that.' "'Well,' he said, "'you must be hard up when you can't find nothing better to write about than an old has-been.' "'Cap just told me who it was that found Waldron,' said I. "'Oh, that,' said Art. "'I don't see no story in that.' "'I thought it was quite a stunt,' I said.' It isn't everybody that can pick out a second cob by just seeing him hit a fly ball." Graham smiled. "No," he replied. "They's few as smart as that." "If you ever get through playing ball," I went on, "you oughtn't to have any trouble landing a job. Good scouts don't grow on trees." "It looks like I'm pretty near through now," said Art, still smiling, "but you won't never catch me scouting for nobody. It's too lonesome a job." I had passed up lunch to retain my seat in the card game, so I was hungry. Moreover, it was evident that Graham was not going to wax garrulous on the subject of his scouting ability. I left him and sought the diner. I found a vacant chair opposite Bill Cole. "'Try the minced ham,' he advised, "'but lay off in the sparrow grass. It's tougher in a doubleheader in St. Louis.'" "'We're over an hour late,' I said. "'You'll have to do a hurry-up on your story, won't you?' asked Bill. "'Or did you write it already?' "'All written and on the way.'" "'Well, what did you tell him?' he inquired. "'Did you tell him we had a pleasant trip and lenky lost his shirt in the poker game "'and I'm going to pitch tomorrow and the Boston Club's heard about it and hope it'll rain?' "'No,' I said. "'I gave them a regular story tonight about how Graham picked Waldron.' "'Who give it to you?' "'Ryan,' I told him. "'Then you didn't get the real story,' said Cole. "'Ryan himself don't know the best part of it, and he ain't going to know it for a while.' He'll maybe find it out after Art's got the can, but not before, and I hope nothing like that'll happen for 20 years. When it does happen, I want to be sent along with Art, because I and him's been roomies now since 1911, and I wouldn't hardly know how to act with him off in the club. He's a nut, all right, on the singing stuff, and if he was gone, I might get a chance to give my voice a rest, but he's a pretty good guy, even if he is crazy. I'd like to hear the real story, I said. Sure you would, he answered, and I'd like to tell it to you. I will tell it to you, if you'll give me your promise not to spill it till Art's gone. Art told it to I and Lefty in the clubhouse at Cleveland pretty near a month ago, and the three of us and Waldron is the only ones that knows it. I figure I've did pretty well to keep it to myself this long, but it seems like I got to tell somebody. You can depend on me, I assured him, not to say a word about it till Art's in Minneapolis, or wherever they're going to send him. I guess I can trust you said Cole, but if you cross me, I'll shoot my fast one up there in the press coop someday and knock your teeth loose. Shoot, said I. Well, said Cole, I suppose Ryan told you that Art fell for the kid after just seeing him pop out. Yes, and Ryan said he considered it a remarkable piece of scouting. It was all of that. It'd have been remarkable enough if Art had saw the bird pop out and then recommended him, but he didn't even see him pop out. What are you giving me? The facts, said Bill Cole. Art not only didn't see him pop out, but he didn't even see him with a ball suit on. He wasn't never inside the Jackson ballpark in his life. Waldron? No, Art I'm talking about. Then somebody tipped him off, I said quickly. No, sir. Nobody tipped him off, neither. He went to Jackson and spent the evening at his uncle's house, and Waldron was there. Him and Art was together the whole evening, but Art didn't even ask him if he could slide feet first. And then he come back to Detroit and got Ryan to draft him. But to give you the whole story, I'll have to go back a ways. We ain't nowhere's near Worcester yet, so there's no hurry, except that Art'll probably be sending for me pretty quick to come in and learn Waldron's lost cord." You wasn't with this club when we had Mike McCann, but you must have heard of him, outside his pitching, I mean. He was on the stage a couple of winters, and he had the swellest tenor voice I ever heard. I never seen no grand opera, but I'll bet this here Crusoe or McCormick or Gadsky or none of them had nothing on him for a pure tenor. Every note as clear as a bell. You couldn't hardly keep your eyes dry when he'd tear off Silver Threads or The River Shannon. Well, when Art was still with the Washington Club yet, I and Lefty and Mike used to pal around together, and once or twice we'd hit up some harmony. I couldn't support a family of Mormons with my voice, but it was better in them days than it is now. I used to carry the lead, and Lefty'd hit the baritone and Mike the tenor. We didn't have no bass, but most of the time we let Mike do the singing alone because he had us outclassed, and the other boys kept telling us to shut up and give him a treat. First, it'd be... Silver Threads, and then Jerusalem, and then My Wild Irish Rose, and this and that. Whatever the boys asked him for. Jake Martin used to say he couldn't help a short pair if Mike wasn't singing. Finally, Ryan pulled off the trade with Griffith, and Graham come on our club. Then there wasn't no more solo work. They made a bass out of me, and Art sung the lead, and Mike and Lefty took care of the tenor and baritone. Art didn't care what the other boys wanted to hear. They could holler the heads off for Mike to sing a solo, but... No sooner'd Mike start singing than Art'd chime in with him and pretty soon we'd all four be going it. Art's a nut on singing, but he don't care nothin' about listening, not even to a canary. He'd rather harmonize than hit one past the outfielders with two on. At first, we'd done all our serenadin on the train. Art'd get us out of bed early so's we could be through breakfast and back in the car in time to tear off a few before we got to wherever we was going. It got so's Art wouldn't leave us alone in the different towns we played at— we couldn't go to no show or nothing. We had to stick in the hotel and sing, up in our room or Mike's. And then he went so nuts over it that he got Mike to come in room in the same house with him at home, and I and Lefty was supposed to help keep the neighbors awake every night. Of course, we had morning practice while we was home, and Art used to have us come to the park early and get in a little harmony before we went on the field. But Ryan finally nailed that. He says that when he ordered morning practice, he meant baseball and not no minstrel show. Then Lefty, who wasn't married, goes and gets himself a girl. I met her a couple of times, and she looked all right. Lefty might have married her if Art would have left him alone, but nothing doing. We was home all through June once, and instead of coming round nights to sing with us, Lefty'd take this here doll to one of the parks or somewheres. Well, sir, Art was pretty near wild. He scouted around till he'd found out why Lefty'd quit us, and then he tried pretty near everybody else on the club to see if they wasn't someone who could hit the baritone. They wasn't nobody. So the next time we went on the road, Art give Lefty a earful about what a sucker a man was to get married and looks wasn't everything and the girl's probably after Lefty's money and he wasn't being a good fella to break up the quartet and spoil our good times and so on and kept pestering and teasing Lefty till he give the girl up. I'd have saw Art in the Texas League before I'd have shook a girl to please him, but you know these left-handers. Art had it all framed that we was going on the stage, the four of us, and he seen a vaudeville man in New York and got us booked for 800 a week. I don't know if it was one week or two, but he sprung it on me in September and says we could get solid booking from October to March. So I asked him what he thought my missus would say when I told her I couldn't get enough of being away from home from March to October, so I was figuring on traveling the vaudeville circuit the other four or five months and making it unanimous. Art says I was tied to a woman's apron and all that stuff, but I give him the cold stare and he had to pass up that dandy little scheme. At that, I guess we could have got by on the stage, all right. Mike was better than this here Waldron, and I I hadn't wore my voice out yet on the coaching line, telling the boys to touch all the bases. There was about five or six songs that we could kill. Adeline was our star piece. Remember where it comes in, your fair face beams... "'Mike used to go all way up on fair. "'Then they was the old mill stream "'and put on your old gray bonnet. "'I'd done some fancy work in that one. "'Then they was down in Jungle Town "'that we had pretty good. "'And then they was one that maybe you never heard. "'I don't know the name of it. "'It runs something like this.' "'Bill sodded his voice "'so that I alone could hear the beautiful refrain years years i've waited years only to see you just to call you dear come come my love but thee come to your sweetheart's arms come back to me that one had a lot of wallops in it and we didn't overlook none of them the boys used to make us sing it six or seven times a night but Down in the Cornfield was Art's favorite. There was a part in that where I sung the lead down low and the other three done a banjo stunt. Then they was Castle on the Nile and Come Back to Erin, and a whole lot more. Well, the four of us wasn't hardly ever separated for three years. We was practicing all the while like as if we was going to play the big time, and we never made a nickel off in it. The only audience we had was the ball players or the people traveling on the same trains or stopping at the same hotels, and they got it all for nothing. But we had a good time, especially Art. You know what a pitcher Mike was. He could go in there stone cold and stick 10 out of 12 over that old plate with something on him. And he was the willingest guy in the world. He pitched his own game every third or fourth day, and between them games he was warming up all the time to go in for somebody else. In 1911, when we was up in the race for a while, he pitched eight games out of 20 along in September and wins seven of them. And besides that, he finished up five of the 12 he didn't start. We didn't win the pennant, and I've always figured that them three weeks killed Mike. Anyway, he wasn't worth nothing to the club the next year, but they carried him along, hoping he'd come back and show something, but he was pretty near through, and he knowed it. I knowed it, too, and so did everybody else on the club, only Graham. Art never got wise till the training trip two years ago this last spring. Then he come to me one day. Bill, he says, I don't believe Mike's coming back. Well, I says, you're getting so's they can't nobody hide nothing from you. Next thing you'll be finding out that Sam Crawford can hit. Never mind the comical stuff, he says. They ain't no joke about this. No, I says, and I never said they was. They'll look a long while before they find another pitcher like Mike. Pitcher my foot, says Art. I don't care if they have to pitch the Bat Boy. But when Mike goes, where'll our quartet be? Well, I says, do you get paid every first and fifteenth for singing or for crowning that old pill? If you couldn't talk about money, you'd be deaf and dumb, says Art. But you ain't playing ball because it's fun, are you? No, he says, they ain't no fun for me in playing ball. They no fun doing nothing but harmonizin', and if Mike goes, I won't even have that. I and you and Lefty can harmonize, I says. It'd be swell stuff harmonizin' without no tenor, says Art. It'd be like swingin' without no bat. Well, he asked me did I think the club would carry Mike through another season, and I told him they'd already carried him a year without him being no good to them, and I figured if he didn't show something his first time out, they'd ask for waivers. Art kept brooding and brooding about it till they wasn't hardly no living with him. If he asked me once, he asked me a thousand times if I didn't think they might maybe hold on to Mike another season on account of all he did for them. I kept telling him I didn't think so, but that didn't satisfy him, and he finally went to Ryan and asked him point blank. Are you going to keep McCann? Art asked him. If he's going to do us any good, I am, says Ryan. If he ain't, he'll have to look for another job. End of chapter nine, part one of How to Write Short Stories with Examples by Ring Lardner. Recording by Ben Prince, San Francisco, California.